We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. We've been on Imitate for a while. And um, whatever I... Whatever I speak on today will probably be like, what, part 28? We've dealt with a lot of things in the New Testament church. We ended in the church of Jesus Christ and the apostles, right? And we took time to begin to run through that. And I will wrap up on that and we're, we're, we're gone. And so we've been dealing with the church. We stopped off at saying the church of Jesus Christ was pure. We explained that purity means upholding the culture of the kingdom, right? We also meant that we are deliberate on rejecting the works of the flesh. Remember that? Yes. And then we, la- we left off, I believe, in talking about where the church is, uh, the purity of the church also means that the church is loud on church discipline. Right? That means we don't have to condone the habitual nature of consistent, what's the word I'm looking for? Redundancy or refusal to grow. Right? We left with, and we dealt with that. People that reject doctrine, that reject our way of life, right what scripture says to do with them i I have a a couple stuff here and then i'll just wrap up the church of jesus christ and hopefully wrap up the imitate series except if the lord says otherwise because i thought i was done before this came along you remember so we'll see the church of jesus christ is selfless again these are simple and, and straightforward concepts that will make a difference only if you apply. The church of Jesus Christ is selfish. She is not a stingy church. I said yesterday in the conference I was speaking at that the very understanding of the manner of the love of God as revealed in Christ is that he gave his all. In the Christ conscious believer, we took time, weeks actually, to discuss the Christ conscious believer spends and is spent for the kingdom the christ conscious believer gives gives and gives again right the church is not stingy therefore if there is a stingy streak in you that's not the spirit of jesus that we're imitating now you can justify it however you want it is not the spirit of christ it's not it could it could never be it could never be the spirit of christ never be ever be we're not stingy because we are recipients of his love and his love is reckless and selfless his love is extravagant makes no sense his love is humongous it's amazing and as we have received that's how we give that's what he told the guy by the by the gate called beautiful right they said such as we have we give to you actually he says such as i have i give to you because peter gave what he had not what they had that story for another day because he actually said look at us yeah and when they looked at us then peter now says to him silver and gold have i none it was as though he was alone <laughs> but such as i have give i to you you cannot give what you don't have if god has never given you stinginess you should have no stinginess to give. Because as a believer, your output is a function or should be a function of the impute. After all, Paul says in Philippians 2.13 that it is God that works in you both to will and to do according to. This is what informs or qualifies verse 12 work out your salvation why are you working out your salvation because god is working in you does that make sense so verse 12 you see there verse 12 therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed not as in my presence only but now much more in my absence work out keywords work out your own salvation with fear 
and trembling. You notice the semicolon there. What does that tell you? Sentence is not over. You can't quote verse 2 and leave it, verse 2 and leave it. It's not a complete statement. Walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. Semicolon, what is coming next qualifies what I've just said. That's what leads into verse 13. For, can you see that? No statement begins with four. For, it is God who works in. Verse 12. Work out, for it is God who works in. Work out, for it is God who works in. So what is coming out is a function of what is going in. Now, if we all agree that that is true, is that true? Where then do you get stinginess to deliver to the saints? Mm -hmm. How come you are walking out stinginess? How come we're walking out bitterness? If he has not walked in selfishness, how you do a litmus check, how you do a rain test on yourself is to ask yourself what I am manifesting, who is responsible for it? You will never need another person to restrain you again for the rest of your life. Because there's no believer, there's no believer, hear me carefully, that does not know when they are out of line. No believer. You, you ignored it. You justified it in how you were feeling. You built a tabernacle around your desire at that point. And you told yourself, you know what, this is who I am. I'm entitled to feel this. I'm entitled, especially in Nigeria. Me, I must say my mind. Try it, but you're going to be jailed for saying your mind. I just say my mind. I say, my, say it. Keep saying it. Don't stop saying it. Keep, keep, keep saying and Paul explains that to you. All things are lawful. But all things are expedient. You can do all things. You say 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 10. I mean, I must, as he's doing me. So I will say it. James says, bridle your tongue. Bridle. You know, a bridle. How many of you have seen a donkey? If you go to, if you go to the north. If you say a donkey that is working. There's something over built with, with mats. Over the donkey's mouth. Have you, have you seen it? Yeah, that's called a bridle. And what it does is it controls the donkey one. The donkey doesn't stop to eat when it's working. So even if the donkey is hungry, because it knows that there's a bridle over its mouth, it can't be distracted from work to chase material things. Does that make sense? And because the animal is driven by survival, and survival is as determined by what goes into its mouth, so the bridle is connected to the harness that controls the donkey because once you pull the survival section of the animal, it's response in that direction. So the bridle is connected to the harness. Does that make sense? Now James tells you, bridle your tongue. Because if you don't understand what these things are, you don't understand the allegories that they're trying to pass across. Bridle your tongue means put a leash over your mouth. It's not everything you see that you must say. Does that make sense? If God hasn't walked lasciviousness into you, you should not be able to walk, find lasciviousness to walk out of you. So whenever life doles you a bad hand, ask yourself, who is responsible for this? Who is at work in my members? And if you're honest with yourself every time, you'll find that each time you fall, you gain mastery and you never end up there again. In other words, you only need to fall at a thing once. You only need to fail at it once. Who, who is responsible for what I manifested? Do you understand? The way you get disgusted when somebody is saying, making comments and filling your sentences. It's the same way you disgust someone when you do the same. When the other person is preaching, I feel like what they're preaching is off. And you stand and you're making comments to the left, making comments to the right, and you're distracting people around you. That's how disgusting your attitude comes across. That's why people that have body odors, most of them do not know. 
somebody can have a bad body odor and be offended and be repulsed at somebody else's odor. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, see that one. See the way. As you little animal we just worship now, see what just came out from there. Oh, 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 pot. Pot. Eh? Fatty rice pot. That's, that's, that's the pot, oh. Party rice pot. Clay pot. Call it electric kettle. Black. Have you seen yourself? Have you seen yourself? But most times, we refuse the rain check inside your spirit man of the Holy Spirit. So you don't know how you come across. Are you here now? It's a character flaw. Pay attention to the Holy Spirit will draw it out. You draw your attention to it. This is how you come across. Most people that offend people the most are people that can't stand being offended. You will not hear the last of it if you feel offended. But you feel offended. You will offend somebody and then you get offended when the person you offended tells you that you offended them. It stops being about the issue. It's about the fact that you are now feeling offended that somebody will say you offended them. And you will build an altar around it. And then you become the one who is thinking that you are due an apology. Because we must first apologize and appease your ego for feeling or saying to you that you offended someone. And so here's how people like that apologize. I'm sorry if I offended you in what I said or did. They're not sorry. At that point, they're only sorry for the fallout of what they did. In other words, because what I did affected us, sorry. Not I'm sorry for what I did. There's a difference. Most people are not sorry for their delusion. They did not think that what they did can create that impact. So in other words, if the offense did not degenerate or cause damage, they they didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do anything wrong. So when you corner them, they apologize for the impact of what they did or said or didn't do or said. They have not repented. Because by the time you're repenting, you're apologizing, you zero in on what you did that you have been made to understand you did. That's the spirit of Jesus. That's the spirit of repentance. That's the spirit of one in whom God is working. But a spirit that justifies and explains and doesn't concede and doesn't lose ground and feel like if I admit I was wrong, I've lost my salvation, I've lost my age, I've lost my status. You know that you know you know you know those people? They feel like if they apologize, they feel so little of themselves. It's very sad, it's a very heavy complex. It's a heavy complex. Whether you're male or female, the smells are like terrible. Smells terrible. It's repugnant. You have lost every iota of self-esteem. You went to the village to gather last Christmas. You feel like if I say sorry, I need like six months to charge. I, I need to gym up the next sorry because sorry is very expensive for me to give. You are very foolish. You will not have meaningful, long-lasting relationships. You will not. People will just start to tolerate you as you come around. And they will take the path of least resistance with you. You will not enjoy meaningful relationships. On the other hand, there's professional sorry sayers. There was something I did. I'm sorry. So sorry. They are never repenting. They just don't want to offend. How? How? They can't stand the fact that you possibly are not happy with them. They can die. Oh yeah, they're very sensitive. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. 
I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Ever sorrying, never repenting. We only walk out what God is walking in. The church cannot be stingy. It's not in her DNA. Stinginess, to borrow the words of somebody who was here last week, does not run in our lineage. It doesn't run in our lineage. The church of Jesus Christ is not stingy. Acts chapter 4, as though you haven't already seen it before. Verse 32. Let's see it in the TPT. 32 all the way to 36. All the believers were one in mind and heart. See this. Selfishness was not a part of their community. Now, I wonder if your heart moves when you see this in scripture. I wonder. Selfishness was not a part of their community. The church community. For they shared everything they had with one another. How much did they share with one another? Everything they had. Everything. Everything. Now, if we're not there, we're not church. I'm telling you the truth. We're just a denomination. That's why I'm not, I'm not interested in a large church. I'm not afraid of a large church. I'm not interested in one. Again, I repeat, I'm not afraid of a large church. A mega church, if you like. I'm not, my sights are not set on building a church in numbers. Because it's pointless if you are building numbers, recycling the same old nonsense. The church is either one or she's not. Let me tell you something. I don't know if you can handle this. As a church, if you are more accepted than you are suspected, you are a fraud. If you are more accepted than you are suspected, you are a fraud. Because the gospel of Jesus will put you against the systems of this world. If you are the church that everybody likes to go, you are not of Jesus. If you are the church that nobody has a problem with, you are a social club. You are a social club. Because until you become cult-like, you can't obey the scriptures. I mean, think of a scripture like this. That will be the day that would be the day. If I see that day in my lifetime, that is more important than a church of numbers. More important than a church of branches. More important than a church of clout and power and influence. Than a church of edifices and buildings called tabernacles and sanctuaries and temples. So if everybody's cool with you, everybody's cool with your church, you should be worried. People got killed in the New Testament for what you are teaching. <laughs> so we have counted the cost before we decided to teach. We're dead men. If everybody's cool with you, you're an enemy of God. The world does not know them because... 1 John 3, 1. Because they knew him not. 1 John 3, 1. Put it up. We'll come back to Acts 4.32. Behold, manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, keep going, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us. So, you know, sometimes I can say things and you think Pav is speaking blasphemy until you see it in scripture. TPT. Luke would wonder the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He called us and made us his own very own beloved children. The reason the world doesn't what? Is that? Let me break it down for you. Everybody likes you. But not everybody likes Jesus. You are lying. You are not following Jesus. <laughs> Do you see it now? Put it up in the message. 
what marvelous love the Father is saying to us. Just look at it. We are called children of God. That's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to. The same reason the Lord accepted you is the same reason the world rejects you. So you can't get up as a son of God and attempt to be cool with everybody. Oh, I have no enemies. Everybody likes me. You are deceiving yourself. People even do it in church. You want to be the one that nobody in church has a problem with. You are the problem of the church. You are the problem of the church. You can't be neutral. You can't. You are either standing up for truth or you are against it. Are you with me today? Do you understand what I've said now? If you are more accepted than you are suspected, you are a fraud. Because anybody that is opposed to your modus operandi will suspect you. Look at it critically. If we become a community, for instance, in this city, just in this city alone, all of us in this room, 150 of us or so, 120 of us, whatever, become so closely knit that what belongs to one belongs to all. CNN will come here. Just us. Just us being a community where everything we own is for each other. All of us successfully. There's no newspaper in the world that will not write an article about us. None. That means that the New Testament church that I'm teaching you to imitate is an endangered species on the earth. We have departed so far from the scriptures that we don't even know our way back. Abnormal has become so normal that scriptural normal is now abnormal. Abnormal is sat so comfortably in church. That when you teach what scriptures say, people think you are mad. You and the Bible, you are showing them eye to eye. So what's he saying? What's he saying? As if it's me that's saying. Can't you see the scriptures? Put it up again in the Amplified. The church is not ready to be church. That's the truth. In Acts 4. Acts 4.32 in the Amplified. Now the company of believers was of one heart and soul. Not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was exclusively his own. But everything was common property <laughs> and for the use of all. We had better not preach anything we don't plan to practice. The message the church of Jesus Christ is not stingy the whole congregation of believers was united as one one heart one mind they didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions no one said that's mine you can't have it they shared everything I would so love to live in that kind of community. Imagine if we as a church own an estate and you are not worried about your kid running from flat A into flat C. You're not worried about a pedophile or a pervert. You're not worried about locking your house or thinking you forgot something. Anybody in the estate can go and switch off your gas. Anybody in the estate can walk into your bedroom and bring your phone charger. Anybody in the estate can take a delivery from Gigi or Jumia. Yes, and there's 40 apartments and everybody has one heart and soul. Yes, and we're not worried about our kids fighting each other or stabbing each other. Or insulting each other or pulling each other's hair. Because everyone is in the place where everyone is brought up in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Yes, the church should be ashamed of herself. Yes, she should be. 
It should be. We're so self-centered and every day justifying it. That's the problem. The problem is not the problem. The problem is our attitude towards the problem. Because everybody, you have to be honest with yourself about not justifying your selfishness. You have to be honest with yourself about not justifying your conceitedness, your self-centeredness. You're too caught up in yourself. And so you hurt people in the process. You run over people in the process. You don't care what happens to anybody. Everybody's fighting for themselves. Everybody. Nobody's thinking about the other. At least not to the measure that you, oh, how does it affect me? But if I'm worried about you and not about me, and you're worried about me and not about you, we're good. If I worry about you and you don't worry about me, then I have to worry about me and then I'm burnt out. And I'm burnt out. Nobody has everything they need at every time. Nobody. God didn't design us like that. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? God didn't design us like that. That's not the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ is an interdependent spirit. Interdependent. Nobody's independent. Nobody. I've said it over and over. Something as simple as, you know what, my rent is 400,000. It's not due until November. And then somebody's rent is 200,000 and it's due next week. We're not running around trying to raise 200,000 to pay the person whose rent is due next week in church, in the same local church. The person who has 400,000 in the bank waiting for November gives 5K towards 200,000 because they've sorted themselves out. November or August. You give 5k and you feel important. You feel like, oh yes, Lord. When they were raising 200k, I give 5k. And then we're struggling. And after all is said and raised, we have 160 grand. And we beg and say, well, just you know, go with one of our pastors, you know, just let them take this and accept it. And then we say, We have announced and we have we've raised 160,000 for Pastor So and So's rent. And you are feeling good. Shame to you. According to the scripture. According to the scripture. And just before you're beginning to think, oh, so church can pay my rent, you'll be shocked. Because it's in times like that you know if you matter in church. If you have value in church. Because even the widows in 1 Timothy 5, Paul said that the widows that should be looked after are the widows who have proven themselves in service to church. Not all widows were looked after in the churches. Paul said she has poured water on the feet of the saints, has served the church. That is the one you should look after. So if you that enter church one week and next week you say you have a problem, you sit and wait and grow. You are the problem. Oh yeah. You can't come with an entitlement mentality and feel like church is the answer to all your problems. I've explained that to you before. The church of Jesus Christ is not there to meet all your problems. Oh look at they paid for that one. They did for that one. Where are you when people are serving? I'm burning themselves out. Where are you when there's people that can call at any time and send to do anything? Where are you? Where are you when we're getting our hands dirty and you're too nice and too cute to break a sweat? Now come and say, I'm hungry. Be filled. Be filled. But there's people I will not even allow to be hungry. It's not favoritism. Favoritism means everybody's at the same level. I chose some and left some. Don't deceive yourself. Don't let voices deceive you. Oh, in this church, some people have, are like this. Some people are like that. You are the problem. Favoritism, I repeat, is where everybody is at the same level. Some are selected, some are left behind. That's when you can allege or cry favoritism. Jesus gets up to go to a place. Jesus, go and read when you go home, study. Jesus gets up to go to a place. He has 12 disciples. Three will get up to follow him. There's no record where you see Jesus singling out Peter, James, and John. No record. That's instructive. No record. They will sit. 12 are his disciples. One will insist on sitting next to Jesus and putting his head on his shoulder. So they understood. Okay. All right. Uh -huh. Who will betray Jesus? They were talking among themselves. They were eating up. Peter now got a genius idea. Peter. Kai. 
Peter sly. Peter said, we know who if he asks Jesus, Jesus will answer. That person that always lies and whenever Jesus sits, he just lies on the bosom of Jesus. If that one asks Jesus, Jesus will answer. This is in the book of John. So, Peter now asks John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's not to imply that Jesus hated the eleven. It simply means the disciple to whom Jesus extended love because he positioned himself to receive love. And and instantly John asked Jesus, Master, who will betray you? Jesus said, ah, the one that's about to dip his hand into the... Peter knew if he asked Jesus, Jesus would not answer him. He knew. So he pushed John. Now, of the 12 disciples of Jesus, which of them wrote on the love of God? Because that was his experience. It's not accidental. The love of God. The love of God. The beloved. It was John. Because he was the beloved. And there was no time in Jesus' discipleship that he drew a line and said, my bosom can only take one. That's why I'm not moved by some nonsense people say in church. Oh, and people are very close to you. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like there's no space. You are, you are very foolish. You're very foolish. Push and create your space. And it's not by gra gra. Yeah, I've come. Everybody clear. They will beat you. <laughs> I'll be in my office. <laughs> They'll beat you. BTF will look after you. Messi will stitch your 19 stitches. And he will go opposite your eyebrow. Your eyebrow is coming this way. The stitch will go that way. That it may be unto you for an example. Because of you think that, that that's what that scripture means. The violent take it by force. Ah, yeah. It's not gra gra. Show up and make yourself relevant. Show up. Every leader gravitates in the direction of a person that reflects his leadership. If you reflect me back to me, you have me. That's my biggest turn on. Reflect my ideals back to me. Reflect my understanding of scripture back to me. Reflect what I have taught you. Regurgitate it at me. You have me. You have me. I'm not looking for domestic workers. Do you understand what I'm saying? I am not. I celebrate those people come to the house to do stuff, laundry, whatever. People come and go all the time. Great, great stuff. But that's not what I am your pastor for. Does that make sense? Be fighting to carry pastor's tree. Fighting to, you, you, you don't have anything to do in life. You don't. You don't. You bring absolutely no eternal value to the kingdom. You will not be fighting over a tree. You will not. Because a, it means there is a plug with your name on it you have not found. That's why you're fighting over what somebody else is doing. Do you hear what I said? And in the kingdom, there's room for everybody. There's room for everybody. I came into the city five years ago. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a phone number. I didn't. A provincial pastor where I preached nine meetings before coming here when I came in 2015. The guy looked at me like I was mad. Much older than me. Yorubama. He said, you say God call you. I say, yes. He said, eh? And you are going like this from here. I say, yes. He said, with this small suitcase. I say, yes. Do you know anybody in Calabar? I said, no, sir. He said, don't lie to me. I said, I don't know anybody, sir. Do you have a ref? Where are you landing in Calabar? I said, when I went, I stayed in the hotel for three weeks. When I went with my wife, I will go back there and start from there. He said, I've never seen this one before. So I've never heard that anybody is sent to a place where he doesn't know anybody. Because what's the model of church? Enter a place, know five people, rent a shop, buy two speakers, buy a keyboard, print flyer. I've never heard this one before. And I came in from the airport. Take me back to that hotel. Got to the hotel, slept. That afternoon, I went to the hotel manager and said, I need a place to stay. He said, are you not comfortable here? I said, no, you don't understand. I need a house. He says, are you okay? You understand? Because you have stayed here before. You now come back and say, give me a house. Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? 
Say, we're okay. I said, I'm okay, sir. I went round. I got a place. And I started. On a word. Didn't know anybody. I didn't go to the elders in Jerusalem. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I didn't arrive and say, take me to the pastor that is heavy in this city. I didn't know anybody. So I entered on a word. Go and raise for me a kingdom culture people for whom my word alone is sufficient. On a word. I didn't have one phone number. I didn't enter and go, what is everybody doing? Which programs are popular? Let us start doing it. What songs are people singing? Let's start singing it. Because that's the politicking that we are doing in church. That's why you feel like people are blocking your destiny. Politicking. I entered and faced what God called me to do. I didn't enter the competition with anybody. I didn't know or care. And now people have changed their songs. And now people are changing their doctrine. Because one person knew who he was and took a stand on it. So you cannot deceive yourself and say, they have blocked me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Imitate. Carve your own niche. Something is wrong in church because you're not doing what you are to do. Instead, you are dragging what others are doing. Is this helping anybody? Everybody has a place. Find it. Take it. Be it. If you come in and you pay attention, you join where we are. It's simple. You learn from those who have been around before you. You keep your eyes on me as I keep my eyes on Jesus. And you keep going. But you come and you get offended because you want in one day what others took two years to get. You don't understand my doctrine. You don't understand my message. Because no rational thinking person who want to lay hold of something that he or she has not been processed for. You can covet what you are following so deliberately. And you come into it. Yeah. And you leave the person you are following no choice but to acknowledge what you have come into. That's what I'm saying. Paul had all kinds of people around him. And he said there's none like Timothy. Philippians 2. But we're so caught up in ourselves. So caught up in you. You don't want to pay any price. You just want to enjoy the price. You don't want to slave, you don't want to labor, you don't want to toil. You don't want to apply yourself. So everybody's caught up in stinginess and conceit. Everybody's comfortable where they are. Don't ruffle my feathers. Don't, don't disturb my comfort zone. But you want to enjoy something that should be unique to you. But you're not pulling the weight of value. The church is not stingy. Every joint supplies. Every joint supplies. Every joint supplies. The church is not stingy. Let me finish Acts 4. And you can go on. 35. Let's go 35. Let's go from 34 into 35. Give me the TPT and just stay there. Some who own houses or land sold them and brought the proceeds before the apostles to distribute to those without or those who didn't have see the next line not a single person among them was needy those of you that look for witches and witchcrafts and witches in your village let me show you who the witch is the witch is that person in church who goes eh nobody was needy I should not be in need who is not a giver themselves don't look too far to identify witches. They are never far. They are in their human bodies. They are with us all the time. Because before you latch on to this scripture, you must be the most selfless giver in church. You must be. There's people that hear they are in need. I don't pray. I do. There's people I pray for. There's people I will do what I can. 
There's people I will do all I can. Because some people are just leeches. Takers. You're just looking for and sizing up who you can get something from. You're not interested in the word coming forth. It's not changing you. Every now and then you give one and a half testimony. To let us feel like something's happening to you. But if you look at yourself critically. And if we evaluate you. You're not growing. But you're staying around long enough. To be able to. Drop an invoice. That can be cashed. Am I speaking to the church? Ouch. And so you want to try and rush off in two weeks. What should take you two years? Because I have a need now. Let me show that I'm here now. Let me show that I belong now. Let me show that I'm growing now. You burn out. You run out of steam. Because you see, hypocrisy is expensive. <laughs> Being two people at the same time is expensive. It, it costs money too. It does. It's expensive. Pastors that try to put up an accent they don't have, they, they struggle to communicate. Because you, 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 have you noticed you arrive at church? Oh, it's going to be here, everybody. Uh, praise God and give Him praise. As soon as you Holy Ghost catch you, your Bini accent will come out. You'll be like, ah! <laughs> no, 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 you are putting R where there's no R. <laughs> TH where there's no TH. Voop! Shakiri accent, no show. No, it's expensive to pretend. It is. So after a while, you run out of steam. Because you're trying to sustain a person you are not. You're trying to sustain a growth you don't have. Does that make sense? You're trying to project a maturity of not coming to. So when life hits you, the very first trouble, you manifest who you really are. And then you're like, oh, I've undone all the goodwill I've been trying to build. Okay, let me start again. Or you can settle, take your eyes off your problem and grow. And let he who is mindful of you and who tells you to be anxious for nothing, let him be responsible for you. Let he who tells you to be anxious for nothing, let he be responsible for you. You heard the word come earlier in the worship. Take your eyes off man. Take your eyes off man. Take your eyes off yourself. Let yourself go. Be a giver. Oh yeah, I see scripture says that nobody should be needy. Why am I needy? Because you're not walking. He that does not walk. Again, who is speaking? Refuse him. Refuse your eternal security. You can't pick one and leave one. <laughs> Paul is either accurate or Paul is wrong. He cannot be right here and wrong here. Wrong here and right there. Oh, we're graced through faith. Yes, I believe. He that does not want to know it, I don't believe. <laughs> you're a crook. Paul didn't mean it when he was saying that you're a crook. Trying to twist scriptures. Are you here now? Yeah. I've said over and over this. There's stuff to do and prosper thereby. God just needs you doing something. God needs you doing something. He needs you doing something. But don't preach yourself as one who has nothing to give. Cultivate a giving habit. He gives seed to the sower. The sower is one who is intent on sowing. And therefore has eyes always set on, can this thing potentially be a seed? Are you listening to me now? It doesn't just give bread to the eater. Hallelujah. The church is conforming. She is not a static church. The church is growing. All things work together for good. Romans 8, 28. Those that love God and as the call according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, 29, he also predestined to be to the image of his son. The church is conforming. Galatians 4.19 My little children for whom I labor with back birth pangs that Christ be formed in you. The church of Jesus Christ is growing. She is not a stale church. The church is not stingy. The church is not static. The church is not stale. The church is not in one spot all the time. The church is constantly growing. The church is an organism. It's constantly growing. It's not just an organization that expands. It's an organism that grows. Are you listening to me? 
The church is not selfish, she's not stingy. The church is conforming, she's not static. The church is growing, she's not stale. The church, lastly, is maturing. She's not a baby church. Every time we look around and there's babies in church, who are not physical babies by no means. Every time we look around and there's babies in church in the faith, we know that the church has a long way to go in discipleship and maturity. Does that make sense? Everybody who manifests a character flaw is an evidence that the church has much more maturing to do. For every issue that one person has with another, it's a sign that we are immature. That's why I don't, I don't celebrate issues, regardless of who is right or wrong. Every issue highlights immaturity in the church. Period. Both the person creating issues and the person with whom the issues are being created are both manifesting immaturity. Because listen, if I don't want to have an issue with you, try all you want. Try all you want. You will not have an issue with me. It's a mindset. If I determine you will not offend me, do all you, I will know you are trying to offend me. I will choose to not be offended. You will not be offended that I'm not offended. The Lord will deal with you and you will heal of your offense and I'm still not offended. It's a choice. Oh, he pushed me. 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 Count it all joy. For the testing of your faith walketh patience. Therefore, let patience have its full work. It's scripture. Cannot lie. Cannot be broken. Every time there's an issue, it highlights immaturity in the church. We are as mature as the last problem we had. Did you hear me? We are only as mature as the last problem we had. The last problem we have had is, is showing the gauge of our maturity. Are you guys listening to me? That's the gauge of our maturity. The last issue we had. So we shouldn't pride ourselves in having issues. When the issues exist, we deal with them and mature from them. Not just repent of them, but mature from them. Maturity means getting a grip on, in this context, means getting a grip on the issues such that it never has to happen again. Does that make sense? And the church of Jesus Christ, which we're imitating, it's a maturing church. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Thank you, Father. Is anybody instructed today? 1 Corinthians 14, 20, brethren. Do not be children in understanding. Do you see that in your Bible? However, in malice, be babes. If you are a pro in malice, you are too grown to mature in God. You are too grown to be grown by God. You have outgrown the need for the Savior. In malice, be babes. You know what a babe? You flag, flog a child right now. The child, I was at the barber. I sat there. A guy had a little girl. Little girl, maybe three or four years old. And he, the girl was all over the place. And the father was there with the girl. And it was like, stay in one place. And the girl was very, you know, kind of hyperactive girls. And she was running all around. It was a very small barber shop. Running all around the barber shop. And the man, the man is big. Big. Yeah. I'm trying to describe something for you. Three-year-old girl. The man was big. And the girl was running around. And as the girl was coming back this time around from going up there, the man slapped her almost into eternity. Like, bah! Three-year-old. My heart entered my lungs. Big man slapped the child. Boo! The child cried. And when it was major, it pushed her away. The force of it. And she cried and cried for like a minute. Then the guy that was babbing me, David, was like, Yousef, he called her name. Why do you not sit where daddy said you should sit? And she cried. And the man just turned. I, was, I think it was a football match going on or something. The man turned and was doing his thing. And after a short while, not up to two minutes. The child comes right back in between her father's legs and stays there. And she's calling, the, from here now, she's now calling her brother who was on the Baba seat. You know, trying to talk with the brother but remembering the echo of the slap from her father. But she was in the legs 
of her father. As an adult, you could have lost your hearing. I am not exaggerating. At that slap. You know that, that frequency you hear? <laughs> that frequency of NTA won't open. As a teenager, you'll be offended. As a wife, you will not talk to your husband at all. Violence is never permitted under any circumstances. The point is, if it happened to you, you'll be offended. Unless you're a babe. Now, do you see why Jesus said, except you are like little children? This kingdom thing, you will not handle it. Do you see it now? In malice, be what? Babes. Tipity. Beloved ones, don't remain as immature children in reasoning. As it relates to evil, be like newborns. The message. To be perfectly frank, I'm getting exasperated with your infantile thinking. How long before you grow up and use your head? Your adult head. It's alright to have a childlike unfamiliarity with evil. Childlike unfamiliarity with evil if you are very good at managing problems you are a problem you are a problem nice problem it's not a problem we can solve why are you always having problem to solve god hasn't called any of us to be masters of problem solving but to be masters at problem avoidance nlt 1420 dear brothers and sisters don't be childish in your understanding of these things be innocent as babies when it comes to evil. Next and the last line in this verse. But be mature in understanding matters of this kind. Last line in the TPT. As it relates to evil, be like newborns, but in your thinking. Be what? So we are expected to come into maturity. Oh, look at what you did to me two years ago. Two years ago, you said that, ah, yeah, it will take you long for me to forgive you. That should not be heard in your mouth. A believer should not even think of saying, I, I will not forgive you. Everybody that offends you stands forgiven. I never wait for an apology to release forgiveness. I walk in forgiveness. If you apologize to me, it helps you. It helps you regain your sanity. It also helps you to regain your honor in my eyes. Your respect in my eyes. Because if you are not repentant, there are areas of my life I will not entrust to you. That's the truth. There are areas of my life you don't deserve for me to entrust to you if you are unrepentant. That's a goat-like attitude. You know goats, you're up against something, you're not backing down. But you expect to get what you expect to get. No. I'm not giving it to you. I'm not giving it to you. Be mature. Grow from issues. Learn from them. Gain mastery in them. You're so good at dealing. Oh, okay. We have, oh, we have been here before. I know this thing now. Are you the first friend I'm falling out with? Avoid that person. I taught you that two weeks ago. Avoid, mark that person. Mark 16. Romans 16. Mark that person and avoid them. They will rip up everything you bring to their attention. They will affect your marriage. They will affect your relationship. They will affect your academics. They will affect you and your parents. Everything that comes to their attention, they will pollute it. Because they will tell you, no, that's not new. I've been here before. This is not the first time this is happening. There's always a way out. What those kind of people do to you is they dullen your senses. So you lose discernment over time. Do you understand? They, they, you get the impression around them. You shouldn't think. Nothing is ever that serious. You go fix them. Nothing is ever that bad. We will solve it. Somebody you have offended or, or disappointed someone is never that deep. Don't worry about it. They will come around from it. Those people... Breed rebellion in you. You find yourself rebelling against somebody that they themselves are not rebelling against. Because they have learned how to glide in and out of problem. You'll be in the same problem that they introduced you to. 
and the problem they introduced you to cannot be traced to them I'm helping somebody today the problem they introduced you to will not have a trace of their DNA on it if it blows up in your face they can conveniently detach themselves from it but they instigated it why? you lent them your ears in the time of trouble you allowed their so-called experience deceive you I know this thing I've been here before I'm older than you I've seen life I've gone places guys how many guys do I want to tell you that I've been with I've been with guys babes I know this thing money no you can do it like this before this one comes the people don't come back they know all the human permutations and their life does not look like what they claim to know because they are using you to experiment their theories they are theoretical they are using you as the guinea pig to test out the practical of what is in their head that's how twisted and psychologically deluded they are and you are their test subject I think something I think too highly of myself to practice it on myself but it looks like if I try it in my work but no man I am too chilled in myself to apply this to myself you then come with your issues or dare that's the perfect opportunity for me to now transfer my theory to you you go and try it see how it is I know this thing just do what I say you do it you stumble you get all burnt up in first and second degrees and they say sorry but you didn't do it like this they'll give you the other plan B theory that was also in their head it's because you didn't do it like this did you do like this did you say exactly like this are you sure maybe you should have also added oh okay is that why you didn't do or say that's why now you know you should have done exactly what I told you you don't hear what Meanwhile, they are, who am I helping tonight? They are making mental notes. Because you are the test subject. You found yourself as the hamster in their lab. They are making mental notes. When they get into something, they have used you to gain perfection. Your scars, you are still trying to heal. You are still trying to heal. Scripture says, mark them and avoid them. Anybody that tells you that they are good in handling problems, suspect them. Suspect them. They breed trouble. They breed trouble and you will not smell on them. Fire is burning. They, they're not, they don't smell like it. We need to mature, guys. Sir. Ephesians 4.14 That we should no longer be tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Look at this next line. By the trickery of men. Can you see that? Mature people are not carried away by the trickery of men. By in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Stay here. Let's see in the TPT. And then our what? <laughs> you see how clear the scriptures are? At the place of teaching, at the place of receiving God's word, at the place of maturity in doctrine, because that's the context of Ephesians 4. Our immaturity will end. The word of God, therefore, rightly received and applied, is the end of immaturity. Yes. Period. And we will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrine of deceivers who teach clever lies. Are you sure this thing is true? Did, did Pav really say this? So you two, you are, you are actually really trying to be like Pav. Clever lies. Do you know how you will end up? You will lose yourself if you, if you follow Pav. Look like Pav. Is Pav God? Efficient, you show them Ephesians. You show them Corinthians. You show them, follow me as I follow Christ. Say, I, I know the word says, but how do you know this person is following Christ? And you're in the same church. You give them your ears, you get lost. Haven't you heard that, sister so-and-so? I saw sister so-and-so here. It's not that brother that I saw there. And you are led astray. Who is their father? Did God really say? 
Genesis 3. That's your father. Remember? Did, 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 did God really say? Did he? No, 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 no. That's not what he meant. Can you imagine Satan coming to reinterpret God's word? And you paid attention. You paid attention to Satan trying to interpret or amplify what God said to you. God showed up mano a mano. Not spirit. God showed up with Adam and Eve. And a serpent came and said, no, that's not. God meant like this. Not like that. And because you're already attuned to find the easy way out. The moment that voice starts to speak to you. That's why I taught you in this house. If only some of you paid attention. Don't simplify it. Because you fall when you're always seeking the easy way out. Don't simplify it. The word of God hits you. Take it like a man. Don't look for somebody else to converse it with. You have planted a seed in your heart to be deceived. And the next person is like, yeah, me. What's my own? Hey, you know, if only, what, who am I? It's just to pray for him and you are never praying for me. Because I've taught you in this house, if you are praying, you're not talking. If you are talking, you're not praying. You know, if we talk around, they will say we have touched God's anointed. And we have do them some harm. So, you know, Shebi, they are saying that we should imitate. We'll be imitating and be going. Ah, because if not for that, I would have understood a different way to, uh, to approach this thing. Because I, even, I felt it. I felt like it was you. He was talking about. Listen to me. Look at me. Everybody, look at me. Everybody, look at me. 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 Everybody, look at me. It's you I'm talking about. If I'm your pastor, who else should I be talking about? So it shouldn't sound strange when the devil is whispering into your head. Hey, can you imagine talking about it? Yes! It's my pastor. He's on my case for my maturity. He's on my case for my growth. He's on my case for my transformation. If I don't talk about you, you are doomed. You are in trouble. Because it means I have no account of you to give. Don't be deceived. I felt it too. I felt it was you. You know that, you know that time I, I met. Please, who, who, who has encountered these people? Because if I ask you who has been this person, you say, no, God forbid. But who has had a similar encounter? My hand is up. I grew up in church. And the way, the way that when pastor was talking, that time, that time I came and stood by that speaker. I've been sent some. Uh, sensor. Uh. <laughs> I mean, sensor saying that you melody in me in in me talk. Now you mean talk. And God is speaking. Who is he talking to you? So when the word of God is taking coming, how do you take it? Like a son of God. Pa pa pa. You take it. As you take it, it hurts. But where it hurts is where you need to grow. Where it hurts is not where you need to run. Where it hurts is exactly where the word needs to go. Because that's where you need to grow. So come away from receiving God's word. And be celebrating God's deliberateness. At locating your matter with his word. Celebrate the deliberateness of God. To find you and zero in on your own issue. In the teaching of God's word. When you understand and accept that. Your progress is evident to all. You will never be an immature believer. Again, I started how I close about the parable. Same process, same sweet, same sower. Different ground, different result. If you don't grow, you didn't receive the word. If you didn't receive the word, your posture was wrong. So for some of you, the only repentance you need to do is just to change your posture. That's all. Count a vessel worthy of blessing you. That's all. That's all. Count a vessel worthy of releasing God's word into you. Count a vessel worthy of receiving God's counsel from. That's all. Because what you don't use is what you despise. If you don't despise it, you will not misuse it. Why don't you wear that necklace every Sunday, every Wednesday? Why don't you? You're going out. There's a particular sleepers. Because of the value that's attached to them. You're going out. There's a particular slippers that you just wear. Every day you beat it up. It's raining outside. You don't think to go and pick those slippers outside. Why? Because it's of little or no value. 
but you're wearing a particular set of shoes and you're waiting by the roadside for a taxi and it starts to rain you remove the shoes and put in a bag because of either the value in financial terms or in sentimental terms the person that gave you the bag what story surrounds the bag or the earring or whatever you treat something according to the value you place on it if you despise a word that came you did not value it so you won't profit you you enter the house and leave it outside like that sleepers but there are some shoes that you wear to enter a place where you don't ordinarily wear shoes to enter. Just because of those particular shoes. There are some shoes you can wear and get into your bed. You know yourself looking at me now like this. You will lie down on your chair with the shoe. Because you know this shoe has not been persecuted. You know this shoe has not gone through persecution. Trial and temptation has not reached this shoe. But there are other shoes. Oh my God. Why? Value. Virtue drawn is a product of value imputed. As you value it is how you draw virtue of it. So what word has come forth for you today? What value do you place on it? How have you received it? On what ground has it fallen? What is your posture? Don't let the devil shut you down. And don't be one of those that feel like you have outgrown what you are hearing. Again, avoid those people. They are very dangerous. Oh, this is not, this is not applied to me. I'm bigger than this. And then if you check, they're the ones that fall into the problem. Over and over. Because we're teaching and you detach yourself from it. You think this is for children. You are a child. You are a child. Have you received instruction today? Give him praise. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.